Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast, Wellness Walks. I'm Hannah Bright Wellness, the female's coach, and I'm here to talk to you about topics covering all things to do with female health, both physical and mental. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get stuck in. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Wellness Warps podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Adele. Adele is a certified nutritionist, positive psychology coach, and she's passionate about helping women improve their menopause health to be able to continue to thrive through life. I also qualified as a menopause support support coach through Adele, and she is also my mentor at the moment. So I have learned so much from Adele. Um, She's an incredible woman. I'm so excited for you all to hear more about her today. So welcome to the podcast, Adele. Oh, thank you, Hannah. That was a lovely intro. It's always funny to hear these things, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So true, though. You have massively up-leveled my business. And yeah, you've you've, got lots of information for all the women on the menopause. So should we start with that? Do you want to give us a bit of background on yourself and also your journey through menopause? Yeah. Okay. So where should I start? Um, so yeah, Adele Johnston, the menopause coach. And I actually became one in 10 women who resigned from the corporate world because of menopause. Yeah. And it's a very sad statistic that I actually just come off a call before we came on to this podcast today with another lady oh, who really? is also one in 10 who resigned from her corporate career. So it yeah. does get me thinking about, is it really one in 10 or is it more like five and 10 actually yeah. because of it? Because a lot of ladies won't even know that it's because of perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms. Um, yeah. I was just very attuned to the fact that it was that Mm -hmm. so I actually had a 20 odd year corporate career in senior level before I came away from that space and went into full-time entrepreneurship and employment for myself Mm -hmm. in the menopause space so I I suppose the easiest way of explaining this is I, I run a menopause academy and inside the academy we educate everybody so we're doing a lot of work just now with um obviously women all around the world we also support men to become more menopause aware and we also have our business integration the success circle inside the academy as well so we have a lot going on in that space yeah i do yeah and i obviously as well as the education side i work very closely one-to-one with a lot of ladies around the world on their own well-being and success journey through their menopausal years so yeah I've got a lot going on it's been you have got a lot going on but no it's amazing what you're doing spreading the word and making people so much more aware because I think people don't even start to think about menopause until they're deep in within the menopause journey and like you say with the men's side of things I think men don't ever learn about it properly or until they're feeling the effects from partners or from people you know colleagues at work so yeah, you're doing an incredible job. So um, what was your journey with menopause like? My journey with menopause, it was it was actually probably, right, this, this is maybe a bit of a bold statement, but it was probably quite typical in mm-hmm. that I recognised in my early 30s that something just felt very different. Yeah. I got to mid-30s and knew that it was hormonally related. Now, I was already working inside the women's health space, 
I was very fortunate that I was being mentored by a menopause doctor at that time Mm -hmm. for my own knowledge and awareness as a menopause coach. And it was only through that that it was a kind of self-confirmation, not diagnosis, but self-confirmation of it because of the symptoms I was experiencing. But it took a further two years to get the medical teams, both privately and within the NHS, to agree that it was perimenopause because they thought I was far too young. Now, the whole piece of age coming into this, I'm a massive believer that actually perimenopause probably starts happening in our 30s. Yeah. But a lot of women don't recognize that it's hormonally related because we may have young children. We may Mm -hmm. have elderly parents. We may have really demanding lives, careers and we can put down a lot of the symptoms to I'm just tired because yeah. I'm just stressed because I'm not sleeping because. So I think a lot of it gets to be easier to say there's a reason I'm feeling this way. Yeah. And that for me became a big understanding that actually I believe that perimenopause is something that a lot of women do start experiencing in their thirties and although it's down on my medical records that I have early perimenopause, I actually don't think that it's early. Mm. I think it's normal. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think I, I get a lot of clients that are mid to late 30s. And yeah, a lot of the issues are lacking in energy or poor sleep or very high stress um, and obviously and weight gain and they just put it down to their lifestyles having like you say busy jobs kids to look after the stress of the household the stress and actually yeah it can well be to do with hormones but just completely not aware and it's because we haven't had the education yeah ever we just don't don't know we don't know what to look out for we don't even fully appreciate I think as well for me a lot of the symptoms were and this might be helpful Mm. I had quite a lot of the symptoms so you know if you if you jump on to um, your Instagram page, my Instagram page, we've got a list of the symptoms that are there for ladies yeah. to get familiar with. But the typical ones for me were heart palpitations. I'd never experienced them before. Mm. I'd never experienced anxiety before. And all of a sudden I was crippled and, and really quite unfortunately crippled with the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't drive. Really? I felt really anxious about driving anywhere that wasn't local I actually noticed that my night vision changed. So I became a bit less able to see in the dark. And, you know, driving at nighttime felt really scary. So I ended up actually getting glasses so that I could still feel safe to drive in the night. Yeah. And it wasn't that I couldn't see anything. It was more that things were very haloed. Mm -hmm. The nighttime vision changed. I recognized that I was getting thinner hair. I had quite a lot of hair loss when I was in the shower washing my hair, clumps of hair. Really? Oh, that's frightening, isn't it? Really? Um, What else did I notice? Itchy skin. So this was a big one for me. And I would wake up in the morning having drawn blood from my legs, my belly, my back, my arms. Very itchy. Mm. It's very common for a lot of women. Yeah. Probably the biggest ones were loss of libido completely I had no interest in sex at all Mm -hmm. which started to impact on my marriage yeah of course as Sean started to feel less wanted Mm -hmm. um but also that one was linked to 
I had a lot of vaginally related issues. So yeah. dryness, soreness, you know, even when you go to the toilet and wipe after you've been for a pee, it was really dry and stingy yeah. whenever I wiped. So a lot of these things became challenging. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, very challenging. I think that's the thing as well. It's such a broad um, spectrum of symptoms that sometimes people don't actually put them all together and realise you know that it all actually comes to one cause um they just think of other reasons why we have these so yeah it's a very tough time in our lives so touching on the topic of your relationship with your husband um obviously losing your libido I think that's probably a lot of people suffer with that but it's hard to have those conversations how did you tackle that with your partner Mm. so we didn't really know at the start that it was down we didn't know for sure that it was down to Um, I would say that when the knowledge was there, that actually there was a reason for it. It wasn't just that I was choosing not to have sex with him. Yeah. Or, you know, any type of sexual contact for me was just, a, I'm not interested. I feel sore. You know, I couldn't even wear underwear. I was in so much pain with how things were in my vulva area. So my vulva was very swollen and sore. Yeah. And that was just, it was horrible. So we started to have um quite a lot of detachment mm-hmm. things would annoy me okay I've, I've recorded a podcast with him on this where we talk through it yeah I've listened to that actually it's really interesting it's definitely something that some other people should listen to yeah and it was something that you know for me there was a, a recollection of a time where his shoes I think it was his trainers or his boots I can't remember which were out in the hallway and just seeing them irritated me <laughs> I thought this is just awful you know I'm yeah. feeling hatred for the man because he's left his shoes <laughs> in my hallway yeah and I just got really annoyed with him and mm-hmm. just thought you, you're just you shouldn't be here you're annoying me yeah just <laughs> yeah. being there <laughs> yeah right no. mm. you know you didn't done anything wrong mm. so that became a bit of a challenge for us but what I would say is once we became fully aware of what we were facing into and I got the relevant help and I started to replace my hormones through hormone replacement therapy that became a lot it settled me so my mindset and my physical being my physical became a lot more centered and settled and that's when we were able to start having more connection again and more conversations Um, and my understanding for him really grew because I thought you know the poor guy I, I didn't really know what was happening so yeah I meant to know what was yeah. happening no 100 percent. yeah that's the thing and it's getting it's just having that realization of you understanding what's going on to be able to yeah go through it together and talk about it together and I think that's where a lot of relationships don't get that far and they end up breaking down because they don't realize what's going on and never have the conversations yeah a hundred percent and I think this is a really important topic as well to raise is that we you know we are the owners of our bodies mm-hmm. and we know when something doesn't feel right yeah it's not actually our doctors or our medical team's responsibility to yeah. tell us when something is or isn't right that's ours so yes. the ownership of ourselves yeah is huge so again, not ignoring when something doesn't feel right for you, even if blood works come back and you're told they're normal. Yeah. Even if you go for biopsies or scans and you're told everything's healthy and normal, 
we give gratitude for that yeah and we celebrate it but we need to be able to then say well what next yeah what else because this isn't right for me yeah not just settling with what the professionals say yeah yeah absolutely because a lot of the time our doctors and medical teams are not actually menopause trained or aware and that's a really big thing to be aware of yourself that you know your body better than any medical specialist ever well it's yours yeah don't feel you know it please get to know it yeah no shame in looking feeling understanding all these things are so important and for a lot of women in perimenopause the first indications of change might be that your menstrual cycle has a bit of a change Mm -hmm. i actually have the marina coil in place after for contraception reasons after having my, my children um and for me I didn't know whether I had any menstrual cycle changes they could have been earlier and then the other symptoms followed yes so again recognize when something is that's a bit different for me this month I must Mm -hmm. track that that's the thing isn't it it's starting to track it rather than just trying to think oh was it the same last month or it's really good to try and actually track it and then be able to actually see because I know we all have busy lives, like we said, and sometimes a couple of months can go past and you think, was that the same or has it changed? And so it's hard to remember these things, especially if you're experiencing a bit of brain fog. So definitely tracking earlier, the better. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Even if you, you know, you don't need to have a funky app or anything crazy to do this. It can even just be if you're someone who uses their, you know, phone calendar within yeah. your diary, you can even just pop into there. Mm -hmm. or into your notes section it doesn't have to be anything crazy but just looking at well what came up for me how did I feel Mm -hmm. and maybe do you know a regular or if you do have an app there's many of them out there you can utilize even the balance app yeah um and you're happy for your data to be collected obviously then you can do it that way yeah definitely um and then what did you do to help with the symptoms so obviously you you mentioned that you went on HRT what other things did you do that you felt that really helped alleviate symptoms or reduce them a big one for me was actually stepping up my own Mm self-cares so for those of you and Hannah will know this already but I'm huge on the foundations of self-cares they're they're almost a non-negotiable and that everything I do the way that I've built my business has been self-cares first as a foundation because that inner resilience of yeah. health and happiness is is so important. So stepped up within the self-cares piece and really got to know my body as it was then. So what I recognized was histamine intolerance is something that a lot of women in perimenopause can really suffer with. Mm-hmm. And that is where the itching for me started. The yeah. heart palpitations are also linked. And I recognized... I absolutely love a full-bodied red wine. <laughs> it does not love me any longer. No. I recognize that when I would drink any more than two glasses of red wine. So again, um, yes, I am a nutritionist. Yes, I am a menopause coach. And yes, I still drink alcohol. <laughs> We're all about the balance. Absolutely. So finding a really nice, you know, full-bodied red wine, having it with a beautiful meal, that for me is just everything when I'm out with friends or out with my husband on a date night but I recognized very early on that two small glasses of red wine triggered the histamine intolerance reaction for me 
Mm -hmm. So I had to then be aware of that. Yeah. And I still always have to then make the decision on, do I want the glass of wine with my meal? Yeah. In which case I'll have to take an antihistamine. Mm -hmm. However, a gin and tonic for me does not have the same reaction. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Or histamine, yeah. So Mm. it's being fully aware of what did I do and how did I feel? Yeah. And making those changes around maybe foods, alcohols, you know, maybe maybe even for some ladies I speak to, they no longer drink caffeinated drinks. Yeah. They'll have decaffeinated because the stimulant and the caffeine is enough to trigger a lot of their symptoms. Yeah. So just looking at things like that and balancing out what's worth it um and yeah, yeah. Picking and choosing your times this is exactly it. it's getting to know your body and then always knowing that it's your choice if you make the choice to eat the thing or drink the thing mm. or do the thing then it's a hundred percent your choice and you need to know that you're empowered to do that yeah around what you can then do to support yourself so what I would work through with my ladies is understanding, well, what what does and does not trigger and to what level of tolerance. So where's your tolerance level? Mine's yeah. is I can have a glass of red, but if I go for the second, I have to be prepared that it's an antihistamine or I will be itchy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think also you obviously said about just lifestyle changes and taking the time to actually prioritize yourself. So obviously I know that you're really big on breath work, slowing down, taking a little time out of the day for self-cares. Um, and that's something that you've taught me is great for menopausal clients and clients in general. I've massively stepped that up myself in the last six months. And it's something that people, I think, don't think they have the time for or it's not really that important. But I've learned from my own experience, it makes such a difference to stress levels um, and just to your general how your day pans out if you can start the day with a little bit of self-care then it definitely makes the rest of the day kind of follow in that pattern yes yeah so I think it's resilience isn't it I, I kind of see it as your operating resilience as a woman as a yeah. powerful woman with a mission and a purpose we all have that mm-hmm. sometimes we we can we can carry through the motions of life. Yes. We can forget. We can forget who we are. And that is a really saddening part to this journey is that as we start to lose a bit of confidence, we can stop doing the things that really make us us. Mm-hmm. The hobby we've had, maybe the, you know, the thing that we used to do that brought us joy, we are too exhausted to do anymore. So yeah. there's a part in all of this where the biggest question that I find gets the biggest response is, well, what brings you joy or happiness? And this can be, you know, if you're listening to this right now, actually, I would encourage you to do this. Take a piece of paper and write down everything that brings you joy and happiness. It might be the smell of coffee. Therefore, Mm -hmm. can you work from a coffee shop for one morning in the week? It might be the feeling of the rain on your skin. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy one, right? But this is one mine. I'm sharing all mine with you right now. Yeah. Feeling of the rain on your skin because it reminds you that actually you are so abundant and powerful and rich within your energy. Yeah. And connecting back in with the roots are so important yeah. for me for nature. So it's really understanding well, what is it that brings you happiness and joy? Yeah. 
the little things for me it's buying flowers I love buying myself flowers once yeah. a week <laughs> such a little thing but it does like I walk past them and I always give a smile like yeah yes and this is a brilliant one actually we we shouldn't have the expectations that others will make us happy yes we have the ability it's our birthright we're born happy it's our birthright to continue with that and understand well how do I show up for me and I am with you you on that I buy myself flowers every single week <laughs> yeah a, what bunch brings me the most joy what what colors are there and right now it's yellows yeah yeah definitely so good. oh yeah no. and then obviously we you also touched on um HRT and I get a lot of um people kind of the scarcity around HRT which has been built up over the years when you know people have been taught that it will cause cancer and, it, and it's dangerous so what would you say about people and how to approach the topic of HRT or what they should do about that mm, yeah this is probably quite a big question yeah that with with the reference to the information previously so if we think about you know 22 years or so ago now the whi had published this study it was wrongfully published mm. it was um full of misinformed messages and actually the research that was conducted was a bit bogus yeah. So it should never have been published in the light that it was anyway. It has now actually been completely like kiboshed around what was in there now. And they they have apologized. Yeah. Run. Um, but what I would say with all of this is it was unfortunate that the media then got a hold of some of that information and it was just plastered across all the media publications that mm -hmm. HRT equals breast cancer. Yeah. That is not true. Yeah, And we actually appreciate that estrogen, so that this was predominantly about the estrogen effects on the body. If we were to put our logical brain on, right, and think about, right, the media have spun this story based on bogus information and research that wasn't actually carried out as effectively as it, it should have been. Yeah, if we Think about what estrogen does for the female body. We have our highest forms of estrogen throughout our teenage life from childbearing age mm -hmm. right through into when we begin perimenopause and it starts to to drop and decline yeah but yet the majority of breast cancers are in postmenopausal women it's very rare that we find that the statistics are actually of teenage girls having yeah. breast cancers mm. so if we put our logical brain on for a moment we'd be saying well hang on a minute if this was caused by estrogen then wouldn't we have young girls all being diagnosed with breast cancer yeah that's so true so we have to look at this but it did have a very profound impact on a lot of women's lives um with many ladies stopping their hrt overnight for fear obviously and then we have had this impact of higher cardiovascular disease, higher rates of osteoporosis, mm -hmm. higher rates of brain degenerative diseases. Now, we can't directly correlate and link them to the fact that it has been because all those ladies stopped their HRT. Yeah. But we've seen the biggest increase in those diseases which are linked to lacking estrogen. Yeah. So again, if we just get that part out of the way and we come back into the benefits of HRT, hormone replacement therapy as we know it would be anything from estrogen only if we don't have a uterus or a womb because we don't yeah. then need progesterone. Mm -hmm. to, if we do have our womb in place, then we would need an estrogen and a progesterone. 
And for some ladies, we benefit from testosterone in there as well. Yeah. And I have all three in my HRT preparation. Yeah. So each of these hormones are really key. They're key for us. They're key for what we do. Um, yeah. We're key for what we need. So it's about doing your own reading. Okay, this is not enough for you to be able to just say, I'm going to do it because, or I'm not going to do it because I've read or heard. It's really important that you ask a lot of questions if you're unsure and that you work with someone, even like Hannah, who understands what menopause care looks and feels like. And you can get the support, the support mm. that you need from a menopause caregiver. That yeah. is vital. That is one of my biggest pieces of advice. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing. It's just speaking up. A lot of people are a bit afraid to speak up or ask for help um, and just kind of battle through on their own and still have this scarcity in their mind of HRT. But it is just starting to speak and just gathering information, like you say, and then you can take the stepping stones from there. Yes. Yeah. It's so protective. We've just got to be aware that even if we can get ladies to be aware that a lower level of estrogen replacement can be super helpful for brain heart and bone health yes and you know without bone health we're at risk of osteoporosis with one in two females postmenopausally developing osteoporosis not might but will one in two and with that is a higher fatality rating from falls so it's not worth dicing with your health and it's about being fully fully in the autonomy and empowerment through knowledge. That is what I stand for, is that if I can help you become more knowledgeable to make your decisions, that's job done. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, no, thank you for that. I think that will help people to just kind of, yeah, open their eyes up a little bit more. And hopefully some of the listeners will, yeah, start to do a bit of research for themselves. Um, so kind of to round things, everything off, like everything up, um, what would be the biggest part of advice that maybe you'd give to someone that's listening and struggling with symptoms at the moment? Uh, yeah, what's the best advice that you would give to them? I would say start with knowing your symptoms. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is it that you are experiencing? And it can be very difficult if we're feeling a bit disjointed and a bit subdued in ourselves to be able to name the symptoms. Yeah. So you do have a symptom assessment tracker that's available, um, either via Hannah or myself that you can request access to. And it's just a tick box of what symptoms are you experiencing? Do that first. Get very clear on where your symptoms are the most severe because that will inform and help you inform conversations either with a menopause specialist or guidance or your general practitioner, GP doctor. So get clear on your symptoms yeah. first and mm -hmm. then have the conversations on what help is available to you to support those symptoms. Knowing that actually there are foundations that I would suggest are just as important as replacing hormones if you choose that. Um, and replacing hormones is definitely something that we get to have the decisions and our autonomy on. Yeah. It's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. But no. It certainly has a purpose pathway for that. So being aware that you cannot balance your hormones, your body can barely do that itself. <laughs> you cannot replace your hormones through 
anything other than hormone replacement therapy. So yeah. if you are finding that people are suggesting supplementations or lifestyle alterations to balance your hormones or replace your hormones, please be aware that that's not possible. And what they are then suggesting to you is more of a marketing pitch for yeah. your product. Yeah, I'm noticing quite a lot of that at the moment. I think because menopause, people are becoming more aware of it and it's being spoken about a lot more. There's quite a lot of supplements that can balance your hormones out there and everyone kind of wants a quick fix. We all do in life, but it's not something that can be done that way. No, absolutely not. So, you know, there's not even there's not even a nuance to that where we could say except for this product. Yeah. No, you can only replace your hormones through hormone replacement therapy. Yeah, but we can improve our symptoms through lifestyle, through exercise, through our nutrition, and then obviously the self-care is a massive as well. Yes, absolutely. The foundations under that reclamation formula, nutrition, yeah. lifestyle, mind, and then within each of those, the steps you can take to to really, really hone in your own yeah. understanding of what your body needs. And mm -hmm. it comes back to that point of really understanding you and your body what feels yeah. right and what feels different yeah definitely oh no that's all it's amazing that's so much information and it's all you've obviously explained it so well to the listeners that it's you people can understand it. it's in real terms rather than what we're given by a the media or the scientific stuff which sometimes can be a bit overwhelming and hard to understand so thank you so much for that Adele I knew it would be a great chat um, and thank you so much for coming on Thank you for having me. I love it. I could literally talk about this stuff all day. So I know you can. Definitely have to have you on another time. We'll go into more detail. Yes, I love this. I love this. And for anyone that does want to have a chat, you can reach me on Instagram at the dot menopause coach if you want to. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Take care. Speak to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already. And follow me on both TikTok and Instagram at Hannah Bright Wellness. See you next time.